0: The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at www.upc.org forward slash university. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 47th and 16th in Seattle's U District. You know, I I guess I'm just bewildered as to you know, is a, is a good Facebook status one that, that is just explicit about what you're doing in any given moment. Ryan is preaching, you know, or does it need to be a little bit more vague than that? You know, Ryan is keeping it real. You know, Ryan is living the dream, you know, something like that, where, where you're what? just kind of like, all right, a little bit, a little bit vague, maybe I one that's know. a little bit more enigmatic where you're like, oh. Oh, that's deep. You know, something that maybe <laughs> separates it beyond a mere Twitter page. I don't know. Um, some people say that the key to a good Facebook update is similar to Twitter: a lot of updates. Like, if you're going to use it, use it for crying out loud. You know, I, I know that there's some people in this room that are probably going, "Man, I don't remember the last time I changed my my uh, my status." So, anyway, I'm going to um, even as I share tonight, going to share with you perhaps some of the uh, staties. Statuses that I've had uh, throughout my journey. Uh, for those of you that might be new here tonight, my name is Ryan Church, one of the guys on staff here uh, at UPC in the Inn. So glad that you chose to join us uh, tonight because we are kicking off uh, a new series of talks uh, for the, the balance of this quarter, so for the next four weeks. Uh, specifically kind of around the church and to the extent that we are are an expression of of God's big church in the world, kind of what uh, we do here at uh, at UMIN. So we're going to be examining why uh, we and why people who who might call themselves Christians do some of the things that they do. Over the next month, we're going to look um, starting tonight, why, why do we meet together like this on a Tuesday or a Sunday and, and do some of the things that we do? Why do we meet together not just on, on Sunday or Tuesday, maybe on Wednesday or Thursday in a smaller group? Maybe others of you uh, meet with another person as a, as a mentor and, and that takes up more time. Some of you are willing to give up. A week at spring break or maybe even two months over the summer to go and serve cross-culturally, to go give your lives away there. We're gonna look at why in the world would we do that? Why is that important? And then, uh, similarly, how do we grow in our own faith? Why would we make that important to serve our peers even locally here, not just cross-culturally? And so this is what we're gonna examine. Over the over the next month. Why we do some of the things that we do here at the inn. And you're going to get a chance to get familiar with some of the other faces that you see up here. Next week, Emily Vancell is going to share about relational ministry. About the incarnation. And then following that on deputation announcement night. And you are not going to want to miss that. March 3rd. Uh, where where all the deputies that have said yes to going and serving for two months over the summer, they're going to find out where they're headed. And Nolan is going to share with us about missions on that night and why, what we do here in mission at UMIN. And then to wrap up the series, boy, the guy that called us into worship tonight, is going to be sharing with us on discipleship and leadership and and what it looks like to give our lives away to our peers on a regular daily or weekly basis. So... At the end of this month, at the, at the this month of talks that we're giving, I really have three goals for us. Okay, first, that you might get a better idea on how you might connect to and be involved uh, in the community here at University Ministries, uh, but not just um, in your time in college in U-Men, but that you might get an idea for how you can connect with the church how you might be involved in, in in this thing that we call the body of Christ all of your days, not just in college. And then, uh, finally, that you would understand why we do some of the things that we do here at UMIN. Why we make a big deal about getting up here and going to the Dominican Republic or doing some, getting signed up for a core group. These are things that we really believe in that we think are key. For somebody that is exploring or desiring to grow into their faith. So that's what we're going to do the rest of the quarter. Before I get us started, let me pray for us, can I? Lord, uh, we are one body uh, with many, many parts. With many different expressions. And Lord, as, as we seek to examine what it means to be your church. Why we do some of the things that we do. Lord, we know that you're here, so make us aware of your spirit. Lead us as, as you, as you would, and, and, uh, may we be led, uh, having the courage to walk, uh, the direction that you would have us go. Lord, open our, um, our minds and hearts to receive what it is that you have for us tonight. In Christ's name. Amen. So I'm gonna get us started. One real simple question. You guys have all taken time out of uh, your, your midterm schedule and doing the other things that you could be doing. Perhaps updating your Facebook status to be here. So the question is this. Why? Why do you come on a Tuesday? Why do we gather the way that we do? What in the world are we doing here? What's the point? What we do here on a Tuesday at 9 p.m. is to seek to take Jesus Christ seriously. Regardless of our background, our confusion, our sin, our righteousness, our doubt. We gather like this on a Tuesday night to remember that we are not God. We need to remember that there is something bigger than us. That offers us love, redemption, and purpose in a world of mystery and chaos. On Tuesday night, we gather as a large group to take seriously. Friends, to take seriously a God that has showed himself to us in a couple of key ways. That he came down and became one of us, even as God. And that we get to see how the Bible is true. That he came down. And that we connect with the story of scripture, trusting Exploring its truth. Simply when we gather in worship, we recognize that God is God and that we are a part of something bigger. In coming together like this, we are relieved of our responsibility to be our own God, to be the center of the universe. A little bit about me uh, before we continue here. I grew up in Port Angeles, Washington, out there. On the Olympic Peninsula, and I grew up attending church, going to Sunday school, trying to be the best person that I could possibly be. Okay, so so my status at that point might read might read Ryan is a good person. I am being a good person. Um, good people. I thought, hey, good people go to church. Okay. And as I continued in in high school and had a large group of friends and enjoyed uh, success in school and a lot of other activities, I was living a life where I was taking myself and my success success and my growth and my desires, my career hopes and dreams very seriously. Not that I was some ego-saturated jerk, but I think that, like a lot of high schoolers, the thing that I took most seriously was myself. Ryan is the center of the universe. Perhaps one of the reasons that I was able to take myself so seriously in that chapter of my life was that, for the most part, things really worked out for me. Especially in a small town where, you know, everybody kind of knows everybody and, and there's a lot of people that have your back. Well, in coming over here in 1994 to the University of Washington, all of a sudden, my reputation didn't matter. The popularity that I enjoyed in high school disappeared. The beautiful girl that I was dating for about three years bounced on me about halfway through fall quarter my freshman year. Ryan is now single. That part of me that I had taken so seriously, that it seemed to be so good, that had so much going for itself, was gone. And although I seemed to to hide it pretty well and fight through parts of it, I found myself pretty lonely. I was hurt and confused. And I was confronting the limitations of constructing a universe, a worldview, with me at the center. Over the next year and a half or so, I explored a lot of different things. Among them, the garden variety fraternal hedonism that I have shared with you from up front before. But even in doing that, I was also coming to the inn regularly. And, and let's be honest. I was coming to the inn in part to, uh, to find another girl. That's right. Ryan is now in a relationship. <laughs> and watching... In addition to coming to the inn, I was watching some of my friends that I lived with in, in the fraternity and, and how they expressed their faith in a way that was a bit more outgoing in the way that I was able to do so at that time. Now, around about the middle of my sophomore year, in part through what was going on right here in this room in worship, something began to change. It wasn't a flash of of lightning or any kind of sudden change, but I began to find myself taking God seriously. I began to find myself listening to the things that were said, to the lyrics that were sung. I began to, to grasp how serious it was that God's one and only son was not only dying for me, but coming back to life. And that if I was going to say that that was true, but that, that would have massive implications for me. If I say that that I believe that this is true, if I begin to take it seriously that the God who created the universe and entered into a relationship with his people died for me and for others also and invites us to participate in ushering in a kingdom that transcends everything, politics, geography, maybe even religion, This was something that I needed to take seriously. My life began to change slowly, but change nonetheless. When I began to join with so many others that I saw here at the inn, with other guys in my fraternity, with with people here in the sanctuary at UPC on a Sunday, I started taking seriously the reality of a powerful, loving, and redeeming God. And it began to change my life. What had happened through my upbringing was that I developed a vision for having something at the center of the universe. And that something just happened to be me. What in the slow and steady transformation was that, that developed as I began coming here and taking this seriously was that I de- developed a vision and even a longing to know the reality of of God and God at the center of the universe as my limitations were continually exposed and frankly continue to be exposed I longed to know a life with something else as the focus not me my status changed from the center of the universe to Ryan is taking God seriously putting God at the center and friends that's what we do in worship. Our status becomes we want to take this seriously. This community is seeking and taking God seriously. It's what we do in worship. As you as you sit here tonight what's your status on this? Confused, apathetic, inspired, serious? wherever you're at, I'm glad you're here tonight. It's a chance for us to reroute ourselves in the reality of God's love. Two things that I want to focus on in exploring why we meet here on Tuesday nights and everything that we do here in, in ministry. Okay, Two things that are going to permeate everything. One is simply Jesus. We come in this space to make a big deal about Jesus Christ and take him seriously. We are seeking to show that despite all there is in our world that seems to contradict it, we believe that the story of scripture is true and that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the second is that God changes lives by working in and through others. Thus, we make a big deal about being together as those earnestly seeking to know Jesus. Trusting that we have a much better shot at identifying and experiencing God's spirit when we are connected to others. Janie's going to come up a little bit later and talk about that second point. But I want to continue for a few minutes by talking about this this first point and making a big deal about Jesus. I want to read uh, to you from Philippians 2 to give us this better idea about Why God is worthy, why Jesus is worthy to be worshipped. Philippians 2, this is a a great kind of Mighty Mouse type of text. It might be small, but it's got a lot of punch. You ready? It starts here. Philippians 2, beginning at verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." What does this passage tell us? It tells us that Jesus, despite being equal with God, did not stay distant. But rather, he entered into relationship as a servant. Jesus was fully man and he fully died. But he was fully God and he's been fully raised. So because of his life and death and glorious resurrection, Jesus Christ has demonstrated to us his place as Lord. Jesus is Lord. So what happens when we gather like this? When we submit ourselves to that and we come together in community to worship the living God. First, as I said earlier, we are refocused on the reality of God's love for us. How do we know? Because the text told us that Jesus humbled himself and went to the cross for us. There is no There's no distance he wouldn't travel. There isn't anything he wouldn't do. He would die for us. Friends, in worship, we remember that we belong to Jesus. And that he knows us. The Bible tells us that this is so. Second, we come to learn and to be challenged. We interact with God and all of our doubts and aspirations. But even here, we are challenged to learn. And have the same attitude as Jesus, considering others first. That's the context of what Paul is getting at here. Showing us Jesus is the example. Additionally, we are reminded that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that in that confession of Jesus as the sinner, as Lord, we give glory to God the Father. And friends, that is first and foremost the point of worship. Sometimes we trick ourselves into thinking that, that the reason that we should, that we come here on a Tuesday night and it's only successful if it makes us feel good. If it gives us this, this shot of adrenaline that inspires us and praise God when that happens. But first and foremost, in Jesus Christ is Lord, we give glory to God the Father. That's what we do in worship and in giving that glory we recognize God's presence with us that's in part what that word means that word means glory just means presence god with god is with us my hope is that we remember the reality of jesus and take him seriously Part of my stumbling block as a a kid growing up in the church was that I was stuck on these religious images of Jesus. It's just this this kind of sage dude with a beard and a white robe that kind of walked around. Okay, let's let's get Jesus out of religious imagery and take him seriously based on what we hear in Scripture. That we might be transformed as individuals and community. I believe that the process of that transformation happens and progresses when we gather together like this in worship and we center our lives on Jesus, community is is the first part of doing that. And it is essential to growing and exploring faith and developing that way. And so as we continue tonight, I want to, uh, we want to show you some people that can testify to uh, to the community that they've experienced. And and then following that, Janie's going to come up and share with us why out of, out of worship, it's important that we continue to meet together in community and give us a vision of what can happen there. So take a look at these reflections from some of your peers on Christian community.
1: So I think the moral of that video is trick people to come to the end. Um, Tom put that... Put that video together, and we really just kind of wanted you to speak about what impact Christian community has had in in your life and in your journey. Um, And as all the folks that were on that video mentioned, Christian community is about people coming together with a common purpose. Like Ryan said, we are about getting you connected to community. And that happens in all sorts of ways. It happens through mission trips. It happens through um, leadership. It happens through coming to the inn. But what I'm going to focus on tonight is actually about getting connected to community through core groups or small group Bible studies. And how important that is to your faith journey. Because it is incredibly important And I want to to answer the question, why? Why do we emphasize the importance of community for your your faith journey? To say that you can't can't do this on your own. It's not because we want to give you a checklist of things that you need to do in order to be a a good Christian. We just finished this series on Galatians about how um, our faith journey isn't about following a set of rules. We emphasize what we do because we want you to see that you are a part of so much more than just you and God. There's something much bigger going on, and community is one of the best ways to actually connect and discover that. You don't walk this journey alone. That there are brothers and sisters in Christ ready to walk it with you. To pick you up when you fall. To carry your burdens, like Jen talked about last week at the inn. To hold you accountable, to strive after God in every area of your life. Now, there are probably some of you in this room that are saying, Yeah, oh yeah, blah, blah, Janie, I know. I'm surrounded by people all day long. I mean, I live with a bunch of people, I go to class with a bunch of people. You should see how many friends I have on Facebook. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, I've got the community thing covered. Although I think we all know that having friends on Facebook isn't the same thing. I can't tell you how many times I've told Becky, just because you have a thousand friends on Facebook does not mean you have a thousand friends. (laughs) She's not getting it, you guys. Maybe you should... I'll let her know. But I would guess even being around all the people that you're around, often you can really feel alone, maybe even lonely. Because there's a big difference between Facebook friends and hanging out with people. What's up? You know, what's up with you? It's good. All right, catch you later. Um, not that that's not important. I mean, it's important to hang out with people, but there's there's a world of difference between that and real, honest, authentic Christian community. People that are, it's a small group of people that are centered on and connected by Jesus. That is what they have in common with each other. They talk about what's going on in their life and in their faith. They study scripture together. A place where you can truly grow. Now, if you if you want to know the question why, if you want to know the answer, um, if you want to know the question why, it's why. If you want to know the answer to why, um, we can look at scripture. The Bible is a great place to look when we're when we're asking the question about community. Because when you start looking for it, you find out it's, it's all over, this thing. Um, start at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 2. It is not good for man to be alone. And it doesn't stop there. The whole Old Testament is this big story about this community called Israel, centered on God. You, doesn't, you, can, you don't get much more of a community than people who call themselves a tribe of people, right? And that's what the Old Testament is all about, is this community. And then you move into the New Testament. And um, there, there's this, this Greek word that you might be familiar with. It's koinonia. There's all sorts of Christian crap called koinonia. But um, not that it shouldn't be called that. It's It's a great... Greek word. But basically, this word comes from the the root word koinos, and the root word koinos means common, holding things in common. And it actually, koinonia appears 20 times in the New Testament. And every time it appears in the New Testament, it's translated community. But I think that something gets lost in translation. It's not just people being together, spending time together. Koinonia is actually this, this idea that what connects us to Jesus as individuals actually connects us to each other as well. That there is something amazing that happens when we have a faith in Jesus that connects us to each other. There's something, there's something major going on. Um, not just that we have something in common that connects us to each other, but what defines us at the core of our being That actually connects us to each other. And koinonia is not a passive community, you know, just hanging out. It's actually an active word. It means being together, spending time together, acknowledging that you we are coming together in common because we share this amazing thing in common with each other. We don't have to have anything else in common except the love of Jesus. Now, you don't have to look much further than the disciples with Jesus to know that this is true, this idea of people who don't have much in common. Um, Jesus, he's a pretty sharp guy. Uh, he basically invented the first small group, and he he brought together. He also invented the table too. Did you guys know that? Have you seen the Passion of the Christ? Have you seen? You remember that scene where he's with his mom and he's doing carpentry stuff, and it, they make it look like he invented the table. <laughs> I was in the theater watching The Passion of the Christ laughing and feeling horrible about myself because I'm (laughs) laughing. But he admitted the table. Before that, they just sat on the eight off the ground, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, I digress. My point is Jesus admitted the small group. And so he gathered all these disciples together. And within the disciples, within the 12, you had a tax collector on this side who was shunned. He worked for the Romans. And then in the middle, you had these common fishermen. And then on this side, you had some crazy religious zealots. And then with his other followers, you had people like Mary Magdalene, who had been possessed by seven demons. Now, under any other circumstances, these people would not be hanging out. But they all shared, what they all shared in common, was a love of Jesus and a desire to follow him. And it brought them together into community so that their lives could be changed. And then when, when Jesus ascends after the resurrection, what he says to the people who leaves behind, you guys need to go start some small groups. You guys need to go start my church. And that's exactly what, what they do. They go out and, and they start they start churches and have amazing small groups. Um, Acts chapter 2, you're probably familiar with this verse. Um, it's about a, a use of koinonia. Chapter 2, verse 44. All the believers were together... And had everything in common. That means they shared everything in common, not like, you know, oh, I like pudding too, or whatever. Um, (laughs) Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So you have this beautiful picture of small groups, and then the conclusion of the New Testament, Paul writes letters to small groups, to churches he helped start in Corinth and Galatia and Ephesus. When you're looking for community and you're, and you're thinking about your own faith and looking for it in Scripture, you discover, man, that is what it's all about. Not the hokey pokey. That is what it's all about. <laughs> Finding Christian community is so important. It's part of our DNA. It's part of our DNA as followers of Christ, is to be in community. Jesus binds us to each other, and it's vital to our growth to be in community with others, to discover Jesus through relationships we have in small groups. Now, even though we know that's the case, we know that's true, we should be in community, so often we don't make it a priority. We don't make it something that's important. Maybe you've heard, um about signups for core groups or had opportunities to get involved in a small group and you've thought, I don't know, I'm just, you know, focusing on Jesus and me right now. I'm in this zone and other people just can't understand what's going on right here. Or you've, you've thought, I'm just too busy. I just have way too much on my plate right now in order to do that. Or maybe you're a part of a core group or some sort of small group and you only show up half the time. How can you build community and grow in your faith if you aren't going to commit to being there every week? Do you pack your schedule so full that you really don't have the opportunity to make community a priority for you? Okay, I'm actually I'm actually just going to lay it all out tonight. Busyness isn't the real reason that we avoid it, is it? Busyness might be the excuse, but when we stop and look at why we avoid it, it's more what I talked about earlier, that whole sharing thing. Honesty, being vulnerable. You might be fine with the Bible study part of things, but the rest of it, no way. Those words are way too scary. They make us want to curl up in a ball and find our happy place, right? You're thinking, if I'm open and I'm honest and I tell people what's really going on in my life, I know what's going to happen. They're going to show me where the door is. Now, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. It can really suck to be vulnerable with people and to be honest and open. But it's in Christian community. When you are open and sharing with your brothers and sisters in Christ, it is in that place, in that moment, that you can discover the true reality of the grace of God that you knew And that you were so sure of when you decided you wanted to follow Christ. It's in that moment when you can feel and know Christ through the people that you can be with. The grace of God can really show up in times when you might completely miss it at other areas of your life. Like Lindsay said in the video, an opportunity where our invisible God can become visible for us Through these people who have gathered and are committed to me in this community as well. People who can celebrate my victories with me. People who can cry and get angry when I'm struggling. People who can call me out when I need to be called out. People who can show me what it means that I am forgiven. People who can help me when I'm feeling terribly alone. So, I walk in the room that... I've been in many times before, Um, five women are already sitting in the circle, the same room that we had been meeting in every week for about two months. And I sat down in my seat, and everybody started going around the circle sharing about how things were going in their weeks. They'd experienced some difficulty, something exciting might have happened, but they were doing fine. They're doing good. You know, they're fine. And then it was my turn to talk. And I took a deep breath, and I opened my mouth, and out it came. And I couldn't stop it. It was like diarrhea of the mouth. (laughs) And I started and said, I am not fine. Actually, I'm pretty far from fine. Fine is way over there. I don't even think I'm in the same time zone as fine right now. Because I'm lazy, And I'm sad most of the time. And I want to quit everything I start, but I am desperately afraid of failure. Um, If you knew my daily thoughts, you'd ask me to leave right now. I'm not quite sure God is real, and I think I hate my boyfriend. I am so not fine. And then I stopped and sat there and thought maybe if I was really still, I would be invisible to them. (laughs) (laughs) And I waited For someone else to talk, not knowing what they were going to say. I think their mouths are dropped open, but I think that's maybe my imagination. And the woman next to me turns to me and she looks at me and she says, That's all you got? That's it? I'll match your fear of failure and raise you sexual impurity and envy of a sister that is hyperachieving and I want to throttle most of the time. It was in that moment that I realized that Christian community was a place that I could be real. Like Amy said in the video, it's a place where she could share her whole self. It is petrifying. You have to be willing to say, I know I'm going to be vulnerable, I know it's going to be uncomfortable, but I need the power and presence of Jesus in and through other people in my life. Here's why you need it, and I know you desperately do. Because it's in koinonia that we can experience the reality of God's grace. In Christian community, we can be ourselves. It is come as you are in the best possible sense. No one cares if you're smart or funny or beautiful. No one cares if you have all the answers or your life figured out. It doesn't matter if... You continue to try and act better than you actually are. You can take off your masks. You can stop the performance. You can be unfit, unholy, unworthy, unlovable. Hmm. Because in that moment, God's grace is present amongst brothers and sisters that are gathered in community with the common purpose of a love of Jesus Christ. Are you missing this in your life? Commit to the core group that you're already a part of. Commit to the small group you're a part of. Your house, Bible study, whatever it is. Commit that you're going to be there every week. And commit that you are going to share who you really are. Truly and honestly and openly. So that these people can share with you God's grace. And can pray for you and can be there for you no matter what is going on in your life. And if this is something that you're missing, talk to one of us on staff. We want you to know this in your life and in your faith journey. Because it's so important. Next week in this series, Emily is going to talk about the fact that not only are we called into community so that we can grow in our faith. But we are called actually to reach out and share this community with others as well. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you allow us to experience you and other people. We thank you that you have given us this community. People who can gather together and worship you on a Tuesday night. People who can gather any other time of the week and share our lives with each other. To remind us that we do not journey alone. That you are with us. You are guiding and directing us. And that we can know more of you through each other. I pray that we would know this to be true and we would commit to allowing this to be a part of our lives every day. In your name, amen.